You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Another episode of Can We Talk? We have new introduction music. I yeah. like it. It's just nice and slow and sensual. Ride. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, we in for a great episode. We got the usual suspects. This is your boy Eric. I'm here with Shane and Anthony. And we have a special guest who is actually the original Can We Talk member, Damien. Yeah. I'm How's back. Please, y'all, please remember to like and share on oh, SoundCloud. I didn't know. <laughs> I, you didn't tell me I was meeting David Ruffin. <laughs> he was the original, the, the well, episode oldest, number one. Wow. <laughs> remember, like and share Can We Talk on iTunes nice and on SoundCloud. Yeah, so we have the 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 history. SoundCloud, here. iTunes. Oh, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> got the history in the making right here. We brought everybody together. So this is except for Marquis. Got to get him. Um, but we're gonna have a special guest today, and he is a current city councilman from Hamtramck. His name is Saad Almasarmi. Is that correct, Damien? Oh, Al- Almas Mary. Al- okay, so Damien is his, uh, I guess, chief of staff currently. Well, so. campaign manager. Campaign manager. Yeah. So we're going to talk to him a little bit. He'll be here in the next fifteen minutes or so. But how is how's everyone doing this week? Good. I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Y'all, 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 y'all better from this the Black Panther. Y'all saw Black Panther. We we talked about that last week. We had to recap oh, yeah. that. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I I've uh, I've reflected more on it, and I mm. think I think reflecting more on it. Chadwick Boseman was great, man. I mean, he I mean, we knew See. he was good, but like See. reflecting on how oh well, you know, anybody could have played that. I think he did. I think he did well because. Uh, <laughs> a reviewer online pointed out something funny. He said his mm. voice has a natural purr, mm-hmm. and, you know, a panther purr. Yeah. So you're right. You know, I noticed that. I noticed that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I, I noticed in the um, state of Michigan, we're playing uh, Mario golf cart in our cars every day, trying to <laughs> right. dodge these potholes. For real, I'm, I'm yeah. enjoying it. Those fun. I'm like, all right, let me scoot over real quick, no. real fast. I hit a pothole. My gear fit was like it automatically detected a workout. It was like, great job, <laughs> keep up the good work. Like, no, yep. I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> Yo, it's bad. It's bad in these streets, y'all. I got two flat tires. You got two. (laughs) My brother. That's messed up. My brother is sheriff for Wayne County. He got a flat tire in the the, the police car. See, they got to fix it. They got to put some money into these roads, y'all. We got to get this fixed and worked out because it's just, it's costing us too much money. It's crazy. But y'all, let's let's talk about these current events. And I start off. So we are dealing with another school shooting this past week. Uh, Ended up killing, person ended up killing, what, 17 17 people? 17 people. And we are actually starting to see the students speak about gun reform in this country. And they did a great job of sort of doing having that town hall on CNN. I don't know if y'all saw that. Mm-hmm. But gun control is now the main issue, the main topic, and the NRA is being called out. So I'm, I'm enjoying that we are starting to sort of wake up to that. Um, people are willing to speak up, but I still feel that we have a long way to go, only because obviously the Second Amendment is a part of our country's uh, just, just history. Um, and so we can't really get rid of the Second Amendment in general, but having some type of Gun, re- gun control, gun reform is going to be important. I think that this past weekend's or week's uh, situation with the shooting and hopefully it opened up people's eyes to this and what we need to do to fix this. And we're dealing with some more issues in terms of Robert Mueller bringing up more indictments. And I think um, Paul Manafort is he's going to be in some big trouble, as you all know. Um, but I'm just curious to see how this plays out and who eventually ends up getting uh, locked up for this. I think a lot of people are going to go to jail for that. So that's the current events I had. Any 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 insight 
into this week's uh, topics. He's here. No. Oh, the councilman he, is here. Let, let me slide out while Shana tries to think of something for the topic. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I know she did. <laughs> um, as far as, like, the gun control, I just, I guess I can appreciate how people are now seeing how they, like, potentially try to steer the conversation to now we should arm teachers and mm. it's like no we shouldn't arm teachers especially substitute teachers yeah that's stupid. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the stupid that's the dumbest thing i've heard like giving a teacher a gun who's already so overwhelmed with this first off just trying to teach their classes they're trying to make it through their day and not having an extra burden of oh if someone comes in and tries to shoot up the school you gotta be the first one to protect them that's just too much for me if i were a teacher i would not be comfortable doing that I don't know. What about you, Damien? You worked in schools. I was just thinking about some of the teachers that would have to have that responsibility that I, I, I think we've met. And I, I don't know. I, I don't I, trust I, some of these teachers, right? Eh? They already stressed out to the back. Right. They <laughs> end up shooting the kids by mistake. Like, oh, I just had a bad day. Sound leaders. It's, it's, mm-mm. So I think that's uh, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, I was watching, I um, believe it was a candidate for Congress. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, auction. Was he auctioning off an AR-15? Oh, oh, I saw that. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was great. He was defending it like this is the perfect time to be auctioning off that gun in a mm. state that don't I think don't even like follow the, the weapons. The biggest issue is that obviously you know guns are just a part of our society, but you have to realize what's the need of having a a, a semi-automatic weapon. Right. What are, what are you going to do? Use it for? You're not out there hunting with the semi-automatic weapon. So it's mainly for purposes of, of mass killing. Um, and I think I saw a statistic saying that the number of shootings has sort of is leveled with previous years. Um, but the number of people who die from those shootings have increased like by 100. And that's due to obviously having the guns that can kill. Yeah, that yeah. can kill more people. So we got to fix this. And it's going to take another a new generation of leaders, you know, to step up and really. uh you know, fight for um, gun reform in a smart way and realizing that we don't need this stuff. It's not necessary. So what can we do to move our forward, move our, our country forward uh, progressively and sort of look at, you know, how we use weapons and, and our relationship with weapons? So with that being said, Shana, the hip hop corner, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> I told I, I like uh, I heard Nipsey Hussle's album, his debut mm. album came out. I didn't have the opportunity to listen to it because mm. I'm still listening to Migos. Okay. So how you liking Migos? I love that album. It's, I like it's the stir Yeah. <laughs> My daughter likes it too because it was in the the Apple commercial. But mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how I feel about you, you know, singing about cooking drugs. My thing with Apple, how did they not know the theme of that song? Like what the whipping whipping wait what is it uh cooking in the kitchen with my my dogs like in the it. nighttime <laughs> like it's obviously a drug reference song like and they still played it they got the little like it, cartoon. Yeah, and she likes because it's the emojis right doing the song but it's not a pro i'm like she's like i want to listen to stir fry like mm. no we can't mm. listen to that yeah I, I just it's a good it's catchy though I just I was just saying on Facebook they had like senior citizens like sitting down listening to it to see how they liked it. Oh my god! <laughs> and they was like, "Oh yeah, this beat is catchy." Oh my goodness! <laughs> Dancing to it, it was crazy. Yeah. I, I know. For me, I haven't listened to a good like a new album in a minute. Um, so I need some suggestions for because I, I I like rap, but I like R and B a little bit more. Um, who who have you listened to recently? Any R and B R and B singers or? Recently, yeah, 
I can't like as as far as like a whole album. Mm-hmm. I I haven't listened to like a whole album. Oh, okay. I did. Um. Oh, so oh, no. we give him a few more minutes. That's fine. I did discover uh, a, a new Cassie song. You might like that song. A new Cassie song. Yeah, you might like it. The- it's produced by. Uh, I can't. I'm not sure if I pronounce his name. Is he the K? Is K Trinata? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like like one of my favorites as far as new class of producers. Yeah. So what is Cassie doing nowadays? Is she still P Diddy's? Uh, is a mistress? I don't know what that <laughs> no, is. She's, I don't know what that is. Girl, that's his woman. <laughs> but why don't he just? Why don't he marry her? What's, what's... <laughs> mm. I don't. Uh... Maybe that's not. That's not. His Maybe thing. he doesn't want to be tied down like that. Maybe she I doesn't guess. want to get married. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's different with some of these people. You know, they they don't they don't want to get married. I, I can see. I mean, I can see that. All right, but Anthony, what's your two cents? All right, yeah, let me get into it. Um. All right, so I saw Game Nine Annihilation. Let me start with Game Night. Um, hilarious, you know, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, uh, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, Jesse Plemons from Friday Night Lights. Oh, it's just a funny cast, you know. Jason Bateman, he plays his. Um, him and Rachel McAdams are a couple that love game nights. Mm-hmm. They they they're competitive with each other. That's how they find love. They play like charades and stuff together. Um, so Jason Bateman's uh, show off brother, Kyle Chandler, he starts his murder mystery night. And um, it turns out the murder mystery is for real when two kidnappers really come and try to get him. So they're trying to race against the clock to save him. It's pretty funny, man. You know, you got Kylie Bunbury, homegirl from uh, the canceled pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, You got my man's. I wish I knew his name. uh, Black dude from New Girl. He's pretty funny. What is his name? But he's he's hilarious. Yeah. But um, I'd say it's a pretty good movie. It was funnier than I thought it would be. It's kind of making fun of like the David Fincher thrillers, like mm-hmm. the girl with the dragon tattoo and Panic Room, yeah. but in a funny way. So there's that in Annihilation. I'm going to just start off like this, man. I think mainstream Hollywood should deliver at least two cinematic mind fucks a year. <laughs> I think this just is one. Of, I, I, I think so, man. You need something that's mind bending and makes you think. Or at least leaves you to the theater saying, I don't know what the hell I just watched, but it can't leave my mind. Mm. Like last year, we had Mother and the Killing of a Sacred Deer. This mm. year, we got this movie and whatever comes next. So, you know, Natalie Portman is a biologist. Um, her husband, Oscar Isaac, that's the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went into the like this mysterious shimmer that crashed as an asteroid on Earth. Um, and he was like the only soldier that came out. And now he's sick. And she's she chooses to go into the forest with these scientists to figure out what the shimmer is, mm-hmm. what what kind of beings live in it. And I think the rest you got to experience for yourself because it's really trippy. Would you would you equate it's like an M. Night Shyamalan type movie? Or a- there's no twist. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, th- th- there's kind of a twist, but it's not the most important thing in the movie. It's uh, it's an experience, man. Okay. I got to check that out. I will tell you, while I was looking at Netflix this weekend, I saw a couple of good shows. I finished the whole season of one. So the first show is called... Um, Everything sucks. So it's a '90s. A show, it, it takes place in the '90s, like 1996, and it's showing a group of kids in, in this town called Boring, Oregon. <laughs> and so, I heard of this. And sort of some of the the issues they're dealing with in terms of you know finding love. One girl is, is contemplating her sexuality, just trying to fit in. It's a pretty good show. It's a smart show, um, and it just so I'm so nostalgic. It has some of the '90s music in it, the '90s references. It's really good. So definitely check it out. There's another show I was looking at with Regina King. Seven seconds. Seven seconds. I like it. It's long. It's a lot of dialogue. It sort of builds up into, you know, the, the, that crescendo. But she does a great job of, well, she's just a great actress. I like her. Um, so seven seconds, just without giving too much away, is about a situation where 
The kid is hit by a car and the police officer did it and they sort of cover it up. And I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to tell you. It's a good show. Definitely check it out. Netflix. I watched, I think, three episodes so far of that and I finished the whole season of, of Everything Everything nah. Sucks. I, I, I get them mixed up. Regina King is the one from American Crime, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yep. yeah. All right. Um. So everything sucks. Isn't that kind of like a Freaks and Geeks? Have you ever yeah, watched that yep. show? It's it's like Freaks and Geeks, but it's I won't say it's not as funny. <laughs> it's a little bit more. It has serious undertones to it. It's a little bit more serious than Freaks and Geeks. Okay. Um. But yeah, it's pretty much very similar. And I think is our our guest coming in. I don't know. Right. Now, look uh, now, have you uh, spoke about the movie Bright? Have you seen it? Yeah, we oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about Bright <laughs> with Dave. What, what, what did you think about Bright? <laughs> <clears throat> I, I thought I thought it, it was uh, an attention capture. Yeah, uh, I stayed. Uh, I was sleepy before it started. I stayed up <laughs> through the whole thing. It was uh, really entertaining. Nice, nice. Oh, we got our guest. Got our guest in. So, so. <laughs> welcome all. This is Councilman Saad Al Masmari. Masmari, perfect. Thank you for joining us. How you doing? <laughs> you gave me a wrong address. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, Damien. Uh. <laughs> so welcome. Hey, put your Thank headphones you so much on. for inviting me. No problem. No problem. Let me take a breath. Speak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so while you're here, um, tell us a little bit about, because I know you're a current councilman in Hamtramck, and you're running for state representative. Um, so yeah, tell us a little about, a bit about your story. Uh, what got you into politics, and why you're interested in running for for state rep? Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you for inviting me here. No um, no it was tough to get here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the real politics is helping people. Hmm. That's what politics is supposed to be. So I am a social person. I like to help my community, my family, my neighbors. Um, I was born in 1986. Um, I am very interested in politics and in the social work. So I've been involved back in Yemen. I'm from Yemen, Middle East. Um, When I get to the U.S., actually, let me tell you what. On November 4, 2008, Mm -hmm. I was following the results of the the presidential election Mm -hmm. to see who was going to win. And I was telling myself, if this African-American guy made it, mm-hmm. this is the land of opportunity for real. Yeah. When he made it, I decided to come to here. Yeah. I got here in March 2009. Got my U.S. citizenship in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Henry Ford College. Um, got married in 2008. Nice. Forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget that one. Yeah. It's a big thing in my life. Um, I also ran for Hampshire School Board in 2014. Mm-hmm. I did not make it, but I, I gained a very good experience mm-hmm. in American politics and how to run elections. Mm-hmm. Um, then in 2015, I said, okay, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for me to serve the community from a city council seat. Yeah. Um, I was the highest vote getter in November 2015. I got elected. Uh, two years now, been serving the community to our best, mm-hmm. been doing what we could do for the neighbors, for the neighborhoods, for the families, for the kids, mm-hmm. for the whole community in general. Um, that's who am I. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Definitely thank you for coming. Um, 
So today's topic, what we're talking about for this episode is growing up. And when did you figure out when you were, were grown, right? And so uh, definitely we add your perspective to it. Um, but when it, what, who, wants to, who wants to start off? When did you realize that you were an adult, that you made your own decisions, and that you would, um, that, that you're grown? Well, I, I guess for me, I guess when I got the keys to my uh, first apartment, yeah. and they gave me the keys, oh. they said, it's your, all yours. I was like, yep. <laughs> so, you know. That bills, my bills are coming. <laughs> the bill came. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I think that was uh, the experience for me, uh, yeah. sitting in the, uh, my own place. Uh, it's, it's mine, you know, mm. and... Uh, it was, a, it was a good experience. Had my uh, my nice girlfriend at the time. Oh, okay. cooking, having too much there fun. We go. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Wash my dishes when I felt like it. it, was, it was good. I, I don't know if you all seen that show, Grownish. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's sort of how I feel. I feel like when I got to college, I was like, "All right, this is that's time. It's, I'm I'm an adult now. I'm in college. I can make my own decisions." But looking back on it, I was so naive back in college. Like being an 18 year old and you're thrown into this environment where you really have no reality or sense of reality. What you know, you pay you may pay a phone bill here or there, but you're not really um, immersed in what it's like to be an actual adult. You know, dealing with some adult issues and adult problems. So for me, I had that that idea of once I got to college, I'm off on my own. But looking back on it and being able to reflect on it, I think I wasn't really grown until probably when I was like 23, honestly. You know, when you're looking at, um, you're dealing with real issues, you're dealing with financial management, you're dealing with balancing a checkbook, <laughs> dealing with trying to find groceries every week, you know, trying to eat healthy, you know, and not just eating pizza every night. <laughs> and so that was sort of a, a, a reality check for me I had to go through. And sort of like, all right, I'm going to do it now. Let me make adult decisions. And what does it mean to actually live not like a kid anymore? You know, you could live like a kid for a long time. It's a mentality that you have. It's a mindset. How, when can I change that mindset and really think as as an adult would? So that was for me. I don't know what your you all perspectives are. Uh, for me, is it was literally the minute I became a mother. Mm. Like she was in me, I was chilling. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like when she was here, it was like. Oh, damn responsibility. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like I'm responsible like for everything like in this person's life. And that's like and then, you know, it's that's when I finally got, you know, when your parents are like, you're not you're not going to understand me until you become a parent. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dang, like I looked at my baby. And I looked at my dad. I'm like, you love me like this. This, <laughs> this is how you love me. He was like, yeah. And mm -hmm. he's I love her a little bit more. <laughs> right, right. He was like, "But yes, that. But yeah, what? When I became a parent, that that was it for me. I was mm. like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grown. <laughs> like mm. now. Mm. To me, I was trying my best to um, tell my parents and my family to let me be responsible for my actions. Yeah, you telling me do this, not to do that. Do this, do that. Do this, do that." You cannot control me. Let me do mistakes so we can learn from them. Mm -hmm. Let me be responsible for all my, my actions. Because if, if I make a decision and I find out it was a wrong decision, I will learn from it. But if my dad or my mom or whoever make a decision for me, um, I'm not going to be blamed. That's true. They're going to be blamed. Even I'm the one who did it, but they're going to be blamed. They told mm -hmm. me to do it. So uh, right now, I think... Um, an adult person needs to be sometimes with a kid mentality. 
Mm. When you were at home by yeah. yourself, just be a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta have fun. Yeah. Don't be a kid in the public. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it in public. You can play video games at home, but don't, yeah. Exactly. You can be crazy at home by yourself or with close friends, but uh, being an mm. adult means you taking actions or you take you making decisions and you be responsible for them. So you learn from your mistake. Mm. Um, I was I was an adult in my twenty third year. Mm. So right now I'm taking my own decisions. I'm father yeah. father of three. I have a house. I have a wife. Yeah. And every decision I make, I am sure I will be the one responsible for it. Yeah. That's it. Wow. It's kinda hard to follow that. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. That's, <serious. laughs> That's deep. Wow. Well, I mean, it's funny that we have this topic because, you know, every time you're on Facebook, they say, hey, you made this post on this day when you were a younger, more emo version of yourself. <laughs> right. I'm looking like, you know, do I do that? <laughs> and I, I saw I made a post and uh, it was similar to something. I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't find it. It's that I realized and I, I think I was in college when I said this. I said, I realized, you know, being grown means a lot of different things. You know, you, you, you grow at different points in your life. You know, you you may have your own place. You may have, you know, you may be a mother, but. <clears throat> That doesn't make you wholly grown. You grow through different events in your. You grow through different events in your life, and I agree with that. It's like, I, I, that's my answer. But I, I, there's like two moments that have happened to me recently that I just want to bring to light that sh- that that kind of fit this theme. I remember uh, from my 2004 Ford Escape, which I constantly keep trying to you know fix up. You know that's my baby, but you know it's a 2004 vehicle. Um, you know I, I had to get a back latch from my back window. And I also had to get a spare key. You know, you know, my dad was just on me about this stuff. Like, Anthony, you need to do this. You need to do this. Mm-hmm. So one day I had a day off, and I just went and did it. And uh, I told my dad about it, and uh, I heard him say over the phone, oh, so I hear you're a businessman now. Oh. I'm like, talking about my podcast? He's like, no, you're taking care of business. <laughs> and I just thought about that, and I said, you know, I, that's a – that's a charming way of telling your son, hey, man, you know, you, you're growing out here. And he, he mm-hmm. knows it. But, you know, I think I think in that moment, he's like, man, you're just constantly making moves. Mm-hmm. And that's good for you. You know, another another part of growing up is letting go of childish things. Right. I hear that quote a lot. And um, by no means is this a childish thing. It's, it's something that I love. But, you know, I've had my dog since um, since fifth grade. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, I. Everyone around the house, me, my mom, my dad, we're starting to notice that she's not looking too good, mm. and uh, it might it might be time to put her down. Oh man! So you know, I think you know the mature version of me knows how to handle this. I mean, it hurts. It hurts all the same. But if I was a little younger, I I don't know how I react. But you know, you 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 move to a new chapter in your life, and you you learn how to, I guess, go through things like this. You can never mm. like take a textbook on grief, right? That's true. You have to experience this on your own. I think that's part of growing. Mm. Sarah, we're going we gonna to ask you, Sarah, when was that experience when you were like, all right, I'm grown now? Um, so I moved out really early. I moved out when I was just turned 18. And I don't know. When, I guess when I was probably 19 or 20, I started traveling a lot by myself and mm. internationally. And that's kind of when I realized. Because, you know, when you're alone – in the States, it's one thing, but when you're alone in a foreign country, yeah. it's different. So you have to really learn about yourself. I guess it's for me growing up is learning who you are. Mm. So I think being alone, like helps, helps you learn who you are. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. 
I th- and I see a lot of people, um, specifically younger kids, who I just feel like they're growing up faster. I don't know if it's what they're watching or what they're influenced by, but they seem to be a lot more mature than we were. I don't know if that's just from from my perspective or what. Um, do you all think that? Do you, do you see that? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, some of them are eating Tide Pods. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you do have the the opposite end of the spectrum. That's true. But it's almost like you have to work to make sure that your children stay young. Mm. You know, like some people, like they'll jog. They're like, "Oh, how old is your daughter?" I'm like, "Oh, she's seven. Like, "Oh, she's seven, going on 17. Like, mm. "No, she's seven. Mm-hmm. And I work hard to make sure that she's still seven. Yeah. You know, like you got to monitor. You know what they watch, what they eat. Um, like it, like it's certain shows that I don't even let her watch because of the like the wittiness of it. Like I don't right. let her watch SpongeBob because yeah. of the because SpongeBob got a smart mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it too is like parenting styles have really evolved. Like mm. we don't. People don't parent like they used to. Yeah. I think kids have a lot more freedom to grow yeah. into into people than they did before. But then again, that's a tightrope act, parenting. There's no, again, there's no, there's a lot of textbooks on it, but essentially there's no textbook to parenting. And every mm-hmm. child is different. You can't parent every child the same way. True. But I, when I look at it, I'm looking at sort of what are we immersing our child's w- children with? And even like you said, some kids are exposed to television shows are a little bit ahead of their time. I mean, we kind of were too, though, because if you look at some of the the sexual innuendos that were in some of our cartoons, we didn't know we didn't know at that time, you know. But you looking at Rugrats, you know, SpongeBob, things that such. They had a lot of stuff. Like when you, when I got older and heard I some of those clips, oh my god, they were saying some some. Oh, I got one I want to point out from Animaniacs. But go ahead. No, no, go, go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying though, they they those those commercials or those uh the, the television shows, the cartoons, they hid so much stuff in there that we didn't really know. It just went over our heads as kids. Um on Animaniacs there's this one little this is one little gag where um the female animaniac, I don't know her name, but the one of the male ones was talking to him and says, um, oh we need prints. So she had prints. Like she had like like the single prints in her hands. Yeah. He says, No, we need fingerprints. She says, I don't think so. And Oh my goodness. See stuff like that. Yeah. So even I wouldn't say things are a little bit I, I will say some of the, the, the Disney Channel shows, some of the Nickelodeon shows are a lot more um it's like more drama with them in terms of dealing with some more older situations and it make kids sort of try to reflect that and, and, and resemble that in their yeah. lives. Um but again, I don't think it's no more more different than what we experience as children. I just think that this day and age, you now you said the parenting styles are a little bit more, maybe it's more progressive. Maybe some parents are taking more of a hands off approach and letting their kids do what they got to do. Um, but it seems a little bit more loose, you know, the way the children are acting, even in the schools. And I know you can attest for that in the schools. I Man, these kids are off the chain. <laughs> yeah. They were doing whatever they wanted. I think speaking like having those parent teacher conferences and talking to parents, parents are more trying to be friends. With, with they with their kids in a way that's I don't think it's appropriate. Like I know students in high school that was like smoking marijuana with their kids mm. and drinking, and and these kids like sixteen and seventeen. Mm. And uh, I, I when I was a kid, I didn't dream of smoking or I wasn't <laughs> doing nothing around my my mother, my grandmother, any any elders in the family. But now it's it's a little more comfortable. It's, it's acceptable to say a lot of just basic like words, cuss words that we think are bad. A lot of kids can say it now around mm-hmm. their parents, and they don't flinch or nothing. And I couldn't say I would get looked at if I said "darn." 
like, oh, what you say? I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah. I definitely agree with that. My 16 year old brother has a terrible mouth, and if I ever said anything like that around like my grandma, oh my god, <laughs> like what? that just wouldn't happen. But they say as as the, as parents, as they have more children, the, the younger children have a lot more leeway to do. Pretty much whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, I think boys get favored a little bit too. Yeah. Shayna, you said something wise. Uh, we were talking about parenting. I don't remember what day it was, but you said you said one day to your daughter, "I am not your peer." Yeah. So, like uh, I'm not like, you know, you know, black mother be like, I'm not one of your little friends. Like you right. can't talk to me like that, or you can't speak. Oh, like even even in my mother's presence, if I'm talking to a peer, I wouldn't speak you know, a certain way around her. And, you know, sometimes you got to let your, your kids know. Like, I'm everything. I'm I'm not. I've told her plenty of times I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, I don't like this. And I'm not. I don't like you. I'm like, I'm not here for you to like me. I've said that to my mother a few times. She <laughs> says, well, so what? I'm here, you know. So going to Damien's point, I think I will counteract that by saying I think it's important for kids to sort of make their own decisions sometimes and, and figure out how to get out of situations. Not really saying like how to be slippery and sort of slip through situations, but sort of how to learn from your mistakes. Sort of as, as I was alluding to, as he became an adult, he had to make his own decisions that affected him. I think it's important to let, to let children who are, I wouldn't say too young, maybe 15, 16, 17 year olds, make some of their own decisions. Although you don't want them to be illegal. You want to make sure <laughs> these are legal decisions. No doing drugs, no drinking and driving, no drinking, period. Um, but let them make their mistakes, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. But at the like, as a parent who's as a who's once a teenager that has made mistakes, you want your children to learn from your mistakes, mm. or you know, or other children to learn from your mistakes so that they don't make that same mistake again. Yeah. But I, I definitely get what you're saying, though. Like mm. they have to make their own like different types of mistakes, and don't forget that too many. Teenagers or young people, they're not with their parents no more. They're by themselves. Yeah. So uh, the message that we've been trying to spread in the community, especially in the young people, mm-hmm. and we're still trying, and uh, Mr. Damien, he's a CAO for putting young first. Uh, putting you first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we have to uh, teach or educate those young people that, I get it. You young, you want to live your life in action, and you want to be crazy. Right. But don't be crazy about serious things. Mm. If you see somebody stealing or doing bad things, do your part. Try to adv- uh, advise them. Try to mm. uh, to um, to be a good person. Sometimes, mm. yes, you young, you want rap, you want right. to do stuff. But at the end, don't forget there is a responsibility and you owe your community, you owe your parents. Mm. Try to stick to your parents as much as you can. Try to mm. learn from them. I know you're not going to learn from them as you learn from your own mistakes yeah. because you lived it. But try to uh, learn from your uh, parents because they lived longer than you. Mm. They experienced more issues. So and uh, try to respect. Mm. I think... Um, Especially, uh, we drive. I drive an ice cream truck yeah. since 2009 until 2014, and uh, we deal with kids and families in the street and neighborhoods. Mm. And what I've been noticing is, every day we see less respect for the, for the parents, and that's sad. We yeah. have to try to fix that. Yeah, respecting your parents, it means um, you are appreciating what they have done for you. Mm. That's real because I think a lot of us don't realize the sacrifices that our parents had to make, you know. And um, another thing Shana told me one time when I was um, 
It's a private moment where I was I was I was at I was at I was in a feud with my mother. And, mm-hmm. you know, Shana was like, well, you know, I'm speaking from a you know knowledgeable place. You know, you got to know the sacrifices that she made for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Cause, and I think that's, again, being as I've gotten older, I began began to um, realize that and understand, you know, my mom, she she's you know, she struggled. You know, she was a bus driver. She had to support you know the kids, um, especially after my, my father passed away when I was younger. So she had to step up to the plate and really take care of us on her own. And at the time, I'm like, oh, I want these new shoes. Or I want this video game. Why can't I have this? But it took me to become an adult to realize that this stuff is, is difficult. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a parent, so I don't, I don't understand how it, is, how, how it is to be a parent or what it takes. But being able to sort of, as I get older and start to mature and see, like, yeah, she, she did what she had to do, you know, for us to get by. You know, you got to respect that. Councilman, on the topic of respect, I, I wanted to speak to you about um, a video on your page. Uh, Shana told me there was a video where your your, your sign was vandalized. Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was in 2015. Oh, when, when you were running for uh, city council? Yeah, when I was running on president right. primary. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that was the first time I was so excited and mm-hmm. I printed maybe 100 signs, 100 yard signs. Wow. It was very expensive ones. And then I put them in everywhere and then the, 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 the DPW and Hamtramck director called me. She said, Todd, I think you got so excited. You cannot put your signs everywhere. Mm-hmm. You, there's, you have to put it in a private property and you have to ask for permission to put it in that property. Mm-hmm. I was like, and then I went to everywhere and took them off and um, put them in somewhere where the they should be. Yeah. Um, the next morning, I find myself receiving text messages and pictures of my um, sign being big X's. Wow. I was like, what the hell? Who's doing this? Right, right. <laughs> who, who, do we have an enemy yet? Mm. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm starting here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they, they spray painted 20 or 22 of my signs, wow. which yeah. has cost me about $400. But um, I think that made people know me more. Mm. And they were like, oh, okay, why did they do that to him? Oh, you no, should attack his ideas person. and his um, opinions, his mm-hmm. uh, policies, not his yard signs. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was surprised. So but um, at the end, um, I-, I made it. Yeah, you won. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm running for state rep and uh, I'm not running for state rep because of my uh, personal interest. Uh, just for the community, um, the main is uh, he's the campaign manager, and he knows what is what is the 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 goal of that campaign. It's mm-hmm. campaign for the community. It's not for Saad or for the main or for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's for the whole community. That's why I'm telling him try to gather as many young people as you can mm-hmm. because it's about them. It's about right. the community. And when we get elected, hopefully, mm-hmm. we're not just gonna turn off our phones and uh, be away of the community. No, right. we're gonna be more involved. And we're going to try to hire, we're going to try to give jobs, we're going to mm. try to educate young people. Mm. This is my topic. Young people of Hamtramck and Detroit, mm. I want them to be educated. I want them to be responsible for their actions. I want them to know that they owe their families, their mm. communities, and they owe themselves something. They mm. have to do something back. What's, um, I heard that you, you, you live in a Polish community. Uh, what, well, I guess, I guess my question would be, what's, What's your connection to such a, a community? What, what what have you learned from um, the, the the Polish folk? I guess I should ask. Um, I don't like to talk about um, ethnicities or race, or yeah. but um, 
if you if you see Hamtramck um, history, it's been ninety five percent Polish mm-hmm. since nineteen oh nine until nineteen eighty three or nineteen eighty five, and then the democratic started to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, people from Bangladesh start coming to there. People from Yemen. Mm-hmm. Right now, Hamtramck is. Um, 27%, I think, uh, Yemeni Americans, which is mm-hmm. Middle East. Uh, 22% are Bangladesh Americans. Mm-hmm. 22% African Americans. Mm-hmm. And I think 11% is uh, Polish Americans. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Ham Chamek is they all get along. They all mm-hmm. love and respect each other. And um, Ham Chamek is famous with a good food and delicious food. I advise oh, yeah. you to uh, visit Ham Chamek. <laughs> the the, the, the punchkis? Oh, man. Yeah, punchkis <laughs> and all that stuff. So um, uh, it doesn't matter if you're Polish, African-American, Arabic, mm. or whoever, mm. as long as you work for your community, as long as mm. you educate and you do your part. Yeah. And the good thing is it seems like they see that because they've elected you as city council. So. You know, that's amazing. It shows that you can reach out and, and connect with everyone. You have that, that city. You have the, the people in mind. So that's that's amazing. Um, for you, running for office, what are what were some of the challenges that you sort of faced, even running for city council and now running for state representative? What are some of the challenges that you had to go through or you're currently experiencing? Uh, the most challenges you face is, to me as a person, it was understanding the culture, understanding mm-hmm. how American people think. Mm. And how they uh, how they treat others. So Woody was knocking doors, and they were surprised. Okay, you running? I said, Yes, I'm running. Mm. He said, Okay, it's my first time. Arabic guy running. I mean, knocking my door and asking for my vote. You got my vote. <laughs> and some people they were hard to uh, satisfy, mm. but uh, at the end they voted for me. So mm. um, I think um, for you to uh, to run for an office, you have to uh, set a goal. Mm. You have to be honest with your voters, with your people, because people are not dumb. People are smart. They can understand when you lie, when you be honest, and when you talk the truth. Mm. So uh, don't think that you are the smartest person in the world. No. People are smart. Try to be honest with them. Be honest with yourself first and be honest with your God. Mm. That's my message. It's real. Do you, do you have another question? <laughs> no, no, no. It looked like you were about to say something. <laughs> no, no. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to hijack the uh, uh, discussion questions. But I, I. What What is your opinion on gun control? Because you know we 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 have these these shootings that have been happening recently. We have the recent um you know devastating school shooting. What's your opinion on on such a topic? All right. I received a text message. That says, "What language do you speak with your kids at home?" Kind <laughs> 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 of question. Your question is about gun control, right? What's 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 your opinion on the policy? Do you believe? What do you do? First off, do you believe teachers should be able to um to have weapons? Do you believe? Well, what do you? What I believe is instead of taking teachers to classes and uh, mm-hmm. teaching them how to um, control gun and how to handle a gun and how to use a gun. Let them do this time and in, in, in education. Mm. We have to do something else, just like your car. When you buy a car, you cannot take a car out of the deal until you have insurance, right? Until you have a license plate, mm. until you have a registration. Mm. If we do this with the guns, mm. we're gonna know who owns a gun, where mm. is he, and how he uses it. Yeah. So uh, if we if we control the gun itself, 
that's when we control the whole situation. Because mm-hmm. guns don't kill people. People mm-hmm. kill people. Right. If you put your gun in your locker and sit there for 100 years, it's not going to move by itself. Unless you move it and go. And uh, it's, it's kind of dangerous and scary that we start seeing, and we've been experiencing this, um, school shooting. Mm. We know street shooting. But yeah. school, you're killing people who are there learning, mm. trying to uh, be your future. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. We have to do something about this. And uh, instead of um, giving the teachers or educators the guns have one security guard in the, at the front, right. the main door, and try to control the guns as much as you can. Try to have them registered. Try to uh, uh, avoid the, 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 the black market mm. of the guns and weapons. If we try to work this as a government and everybody helps in this, I think we're going to do something about it. Yeah, I know the big issue, too, with, <laughs> with the gun control issue is that Again, it's it's almost harder to get a license to drive than it is to sometimes get a gun. And you're dealing with situations where a lot of times these guns are being sold, like I said, sold in the black market or given given to someone else um, that you can't really put any – it's hard to put controls on those. You can't say, okay, you, you if you got a gun, Damien, I can't stop you from giving your gun to, to me or giving your gun to Shana. Um, so it's about sort of having to keep a, a process. There needs to be processes in place to sort of protect from that. Um, and the biggest issue, too, is that we need to figure out what, again, nothing's sacred anymore. You can't go to school. You can't go to your religious institutions anymore. You can't go to the mall. You can't go, can't go to concerts. And it's a it's a bigger issue. Sometimes it's mental health, but I don't want to conflate mental health with violence because mm-hmm. I think that's doing a disservice as well. But, you know, figuring out, OK, if you do get a gun, who's it going to? Do they have the proper um, background checks? Do they have the proper training? And then making sure that they either somehow... Uh, sign agreements or something where they can't pass those guns or sell off in the black market. But this is a big issue, and I'm glad that we're starting to take the steps, you know, towards the, addressing that with the NRA discussions and things of that such. So we got a long way to go, though, with that. I would a question I do want to ask you as well. Um, so being in Hamtramck, and you said it's a diverse population of people um, that you're starting to see. How, how does it work? Because it's not like you had a grassroots campaign. So it was just mainly just knocking on doors and mainly just sort of did you do like speaking engagements, like going to various like high schools. Like what was what was the process for you in order to sort of, you know, get your name out there, you know, navigate the, the diverse, you know, cultures within um, Hantramic? I think this is right. the hardest thing to do is mm-hmm. to get your name in the community, to have people hear about your name. Uh, th- that's hard. And but campaigning, they they say campaigning, campaign is two things. Doors and dollars. Mm-hmm. So you knock doors and you uh, raise money. You yeah. uh, you have money, but in my uh, campaign, it was it was a huge uh, media action, international mm-hmm. about our, our our election results. And what I have done is, while my colleagues or my opponents were spending thousands and thousands of dollars on campaigning in the same election race, mm-hmm. I spent only twenty seven hundred dollars. And it was the highest vote getter because I believe in hard work and instead of paying money, mm. instead of paying people to go knock doors, knock doors for you, you go knock door yourself. You mm. go answer people's questions and concerns. So that that was I, I knocked about thirty eight hundred doors in Hamchamk. Hamchamk is a sixty eight hundred address. Wow. So I knocked thirty eight hundred doors. Wow. I lost 
37 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is wow. the fun part about it. Right. You don't have to go to the gym or do, be in diet. Just knock doors, collect votes, <laughs> collect support, and lose weight. <laughs> so uh, bo- awesome. uh, running for state rep is a totally different thing because it's bigger election. Yeah. And you need to reach more people. Um, this is my first time running for state. I think I'm going to make it. But yeah. I just need to be more creative yeah. how to reach out to people, how to make people think you are their candidates. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do right now. That's awesome. Um, I do want to say, or I do want to ask, with Trump in office, have you seen people more so pushing or coming to the Democratic side, or do you see any you know, ebb and flow within that, within the voters' mindset? Um. Uh, Trump has mentioned my name <laughs> before, and oh, he, wow. used it, he used it as a bad example. Um, instead of using it as a positive example of the mm. American dream, mm. he said Saad came from Yemen in 2009, and then he moved to the office. Now he's elected official, mm. and we have hundreds of people like Saad. They're coming from overseas. They're taking over. I was like, wow. are you a Native American when you talk like this? Right. No, you're not. <laughs> I came from Middle East, he came from Africa, she mm-hmm. came from Europe, and right. we all together got along and built this country. Isn't so, Trump a first-generation American? Like, aren't his parents immigrants? immigrants? Yeah. His so, wife is immigrant. We know this. I was like, this, you should be proud of what I have done. Wow. What, what I have done is practicing the American dream. It came in a, a short time, and it, I, I've done something for my community. Right now, I'm making laws. I'm, I'm making. I am doing something for the government, mm-hmm. for the community. If everybody does that, we would be in a, in a better shape. Yeah. That's why we elected you as a president. You should be realizing that. If we think as you're thinking, we could kick off your wife. Right. Yeah. <laughs> her parents are here illegally too like they're not <laughs> yeah like he speaks about chain immigration but she's using that like to her benefit mm-hmm. to bring her parents over wow so what was what was your social media like when he mentioned you did you, did you, get, did you get a lot of people follow you or you get it um i think uh washington post wrote a, a long article about me mm-hmm. after uh, it was a positive article okay, good, i think good. washington post and um I've done, I think, 108 live television interview. Wow. So I've been in the media a lot. But yeah. you realize when you deal with the media, you realize that some media organizations, they come just to mess up your reputation, mm. to do to make you look look bad. And some others, they, they're here to make you look good. Yeah. Some others, they just reflect the reality. Mm. So um, I, I received a lot of death threats wow. through social media. Mm. And they... they I, I reported everything, but um, after he uh, after he talked about me, I think people searched, yeah. and uh, many uh, media organizations came and interviewed me. Um, one of my advisors told me that don't do a lot of media because people going to focus on you. So I'm happy to do media to be to show there to be there because I want people to understand my vision, to understand my view. I don't want them to believe that. I took her to take over the country. No, it's yeah. everybody's country. Whoever works for themselves, for the constitution, for the country, it's their country. America is the country of immigrants. Mm. It's not the country of Donald Trump. 
or his wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's a country of everybody. The good citizens, it's their country. The bad citizens, the jail is their place. So as a, as a young child growing up in Yemen, and you had a dream. So did you, did you imagine yourself being where you are now, now today as a young child back in, in Yemen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There it is. Um, <laughs> when I was looking at the president speaking of Yemen, I was like, "How did this guy got there? Right. Can he go to the grocery stores and buy and eat whatever he wants? Because it was tough for me to get whatever I want from the grocery store, yeah. candies or chocolates. Or I was like, how did he do this? Is it because of his age? You have to get certain age, and then you mm-hmm. choose to do this. And within a days, I." I, I I found out it's with your hard work, mm. you can be something. Mm. And there is a difference between two leaders. You can be a bad person in the street. You're just going to hurt yourself and maybe hurt some of your surrounding people. But if you if you be a bad leader, you're mm. going to hurt the whole country in general. And that's mm. what we face right now. Right. Uh, Barack Obama was a good, a good leader. When we had a good leader... We saw everybody's getting along and no racism, no discriminations. Everything was going good. But right now we're facing because we have a bad leader. Mm-hmm. If Donald Trump was somebody in the street, nobody, he's not going to affect that huge. Right. But right now he's raising red flags. That, that That's crazy what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is fighting very hard. I'm following him. And mm-hmm. at 4 o'clock tonight, we will be at a rally in Lansing. It's called... Um, Bernie, not for a penny. Mm, so, nice. um, they may, may come with me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, it's a bit of a random question here. I, um, I saw on your page that, uh, um, come on, you, you, you've been searching about my name. <laughs> I, I gotta do this. Research. I gotta do this. But I, um, we I are see. Not, we research our guests. We are not the Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> we have to. I see you're a fan of, um, of House of Cards. Oh, yeah. How did you know? <laughs> no, because it, it showed on your page. Oh, watching House of Cards. So I assume, <laughs> unless you watch it and found out you didn't like it, you know, that's another thing. That's some really deep research. But um, <laughs> I just want to ask you. So, what does it feel like to like, like, I guess, watch a show like that and see that you know they they have like these ridiculous ridiculous caricatures of what you know powerful politicians are like. Um, you know, some of it may be true, but what do you feel like watching that as a politician saying, "Man, this is so further from the truth." Um, I am watching. <laughs> I am still watching uh, House of Cards. I learn a lot from them. But um, I have to be careful when you watch something. You have to uh, pick the good things and reject the others. Right. Um, just like Frank Underwood. <laughs> right, right. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not tra- trying to be his, as his mentality, trying mm-hmm. to be, uh, yeah, he's, he's a tricky person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to tell you about to be honest, I'm trying to take a good parts of that, and I think I gained a lot. Okay. For my election, House of Cards, just like a book that you're reading and practicing the next day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So have you, in terms of American politics, um, do you think that there's room for, especially with this current president, do you think there's room for, for a new generation or, or – Better question. Do you think there, the, the American politics today, think, do you think more than two parties need to sort of be represented? I do. Oh, well. I do think that. I think everybody has the right to be represented. Um, that, that's, that's what I've been trying to uh, educate the young African-American 
people, try to be out there. Try to be a leader. Don't wait for somebody to come and lead you. Be mm. your own leader. Right. Don't wait for somebody to save you. Save yourself. Save your community. Mm. Try to do your part. Try to learn. Instead of wasting wasting your time playing games or mm. being being at the street, um, try to learn something positive mm. for your future, for your community's future, for your city. Yeah. Try to be involved with the town hall meetings. Go to city council meetings. Try to understand what's going on, what people are doing. Mm. Don't think that buying a new car and uh, smoking and chilling and buying good clothes is, is mm. the life. It's a part of the life, but it's not the real life. Right. Try to be a law maker. Try to be a life fixer because the life is, is, is messed up. Mm. We have to fix our lives. Mm. I agree. I agree that being an American citizen is not a spectator sport. And you should definitely be active and involved, not just voting, you know, every election cycle. I hope they vote. Some yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but a lot of I know a lot of people that I personally know, I don't want to speak for everybody. They vote and that's it. In right. uh, time politics, 6.8 percent is the voting turnout. Mm. This is almost nothing. Yeah, that's seriously. nothing. We have to work on that. In Detroit, 30, 32 percent. Mm. Barack Obama's election, 32 percent turnout. Vote. Wow. It's your guy. Come on, right. guys. Wake up. Let's yeah. elect it. It should be 50 or 60 percent vote turnout. And and that's true because I do believe I should do more as a citizen. Even when I voted for like the Detroit election, which still a lot of people didn't even show up for, yeah. I still feel like I could have did a little more. But there's also this tone of some people are just they feel disenfranchised. You know, they feel mm-hmm. like they their vote doesn't matter. You know, they spend um, think about how much money they spend in our communities and and. Once they get our vote, they leave. So it's almost like, why? Um, so you sort of have to change the mentality of seeing why it's important, but also having, which I think, various parties that are different from just the Republican and Democratic parties. And I say this because I was a, it was an interview yesterday. I forgot it was a Republican senator. They asked him, would you be in um, support of having more than just the, the Democrat and Republican Party? And she, he said, yeah. And he gave some good points. And I think that we got to get away from this two-party system, let people who, again, who may be novice in the political field, actually get the opportunity to run for office. You know, I think we're just so caught up on names. you got to be a Democrat or Republican. you got to be, you know, have, have decades of, of experience in this uh, as a politician. But I think that the true representation of uh, the people is that the fact that those people are like you. They come from your community. And I think you're doing a great job of, of that, representing your community. I think um – Having more than two parties, than more two more strong parties is very important mm-hmm. because we have experienced a presidential election in 2016 and the highest vote gutter lost. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Isn't that crazy? Right. Just yeah. because of two, uh, only two major parties. We have to yeah. work and we have to try to deliver the message that um, create your own party. If you think yeah. you have a lot of supporters, be there. And, and it's a it's a flaw in the electoral college system, but that's, right, that's so, a different story. That's a whole other <laughs> show. So final final thoughts. I'll say final thoughts for me are that, um, and I want to talk touch on being grown. So so as we grow, and as we again, we have to experience failures and and, and mistakes in order to grow as adults and as people. Um, it's about making those decisions decisions that may not be. Sometimes comfortable for you. You know, as you get older, you have to make those decisions that are in the best interest of not just you, but your family, uh, things of that such. And being grown is really a state of mind. I think that, again, if you're 23, 21, 18, and you're dealing with some real situations and circumstances that cause you to grow faster, 
you're you're grown. You can be a 40, 50 year old man. You could be Donald Trump and have the mentality of a kid, and you're not grown. So <laughs> again, it's really about um, understanding that it's about a perspective. Um, you know, it's about the responsibilities you're taking on, and it's really just a call for being able to. I don't know, just realize that being grown is a scam. It's a scam. <laughs> I guess oh. it's, a good, it's kind of a scam. <laughs> I wish I could be a kid every day. Oh my, God. <laughs> uh, my final thoughts about uh, – do you finish? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, my final thoughts about this is, is it's a message to our young uh, gener- young people. Try to, sur- to surround yourself with the good people. Yeah, They could make you or break you. Try to surround yourself with the good people. They can help you being a good person, being a good leader. That's mm. my message. Yeah, that's real. I guess you know. I, I said there's no textbook on grief and no real textbook on parenting. I don't think there's no real <coughs> textbook on life. You know, I agree with all your points, and that and that that's my thought there. You know, you got to go it. You got to go with this as you go because you only get one try. Mm-hmm. Well, I say that uh, life is. Uh, uh, it's, it's it's not a number on the years that you're going to get an opportunity to live. So while you're here, you should make the best of it and have fun. Mm-hmm. But also, like, uh, sides here that you need to give to your community mm-hmm. um, and you need to do your part. Uh, you don't want to waste time, but you want to be effective. And you just want your community to be proud of you. I think we need to teach people to be do things that make their community proud of them. And I think if we we do that, I think this uh, things would be better. Shane, um, I think uh, growing um, is a is a beautiful and wonderful thing, and um, we should just make sure that our youth take their time doing it. Yeah, well, this has been a great episode. Thank you all. Thank you, Councilman, for coming. Thank you. I hope Thank you. you. I- I hope uh, you it's win. okay. I can come next time if you guys invite. <laughs> if you guys invite Anytime. me ahead of time, I can come. Now, it, it, I, what I have done is, I just saw the Facebook post that I'm going to be a guest here. I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to be a guest, and I didn't know. Damien, no. <laughs> but thank you all. Please, on that. <laughs> please like and share on iTunes. And can we talk in SoundCloud under Podcast Detroit? It's been a great episode. Thank you. Thank you.